All right, good evening, everybody, to the Wednesday, October 10th edition of the Carolina Weather Group on a very, very busy afternoon and evening across the United States. Today is a day that will go down in United States hurricane history as the third strongest storm on record in terms of pressure and the fourth strongest in terms of wind made landfall earlier this afternoon around 2 to 3 o'clock along the Florida panhandles. Hurricane Michael came ashore Guys, uh, still kind of hard to process everything. Uh, we'll, we'll chat about it real quick here and then kind of jump into our show topic for tonight. But uh, honestly, a day that I don't think we fully have grasped yet. Uh, Jared, you just had a really good tweet from a, a very well-known storm chaser that I think probably sums it up pretty well. Yeah. and Yeah. Let me get that tweet back out. Josh Morgerman. All right. So I cyclone. He goes everywhere. He goes into the worst of the worst of the worst. And so if he's there, get out. And um, he said that, and he was in Panama City for the storm today. And so, and I cannot believe I scrolled past that so fast, man. Um, but Josh was down in Panama City today. He wrote out the eye. I'm glad he's okay. A lot of chasers were in peril today. Um, and 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 I, from what I understand, you know, that it was a, it was not good for guys like Brett Adair and and others. So here's Josh Morgerman on Panama City. It's hard to convey in words the scale of the catastrophe in Panama City. The whole city looks like a nuke was dropped on it. I'm literally shocked at the scale of the destruction. There, there it is. That's, that's hard to process, really. I mean, we've been seeing some images come out of Panama City tonight. You know, buildings um, just blown apart, parts ripped off. But... I don't think we've seen some of the worst places yet, especially those areas right along the coast where some of these roads may not be accessible. Uh, Shay, some of the islands out there are very, very vulnerable to storm surge. Yeah, that's correct, Ricky. Uh, storm surge for some of these areas came up 9 to 14 feet. And I was just looking at our uh, storm track viewer, and it looks like there's no power out there. There's The cell signals are gone even, so not much not much coming back from feedback. A lot of the weather stations, even a couple of our own, failed. We have one deployed station that's barely giving a signal back from near Panama City or Mexico Beach, for that instance. But um, not a single cell signal relaying information from data from any of the weather stations, even the airport along St. George Island and even portions of Apalachicola. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty bad situation. I'm not sure if that's just the cell towers or if it's a power and cell tower issue. But I imagine, I, I would almost imagine most of St. George Island was probably underwater at some point today. Which is just hard to imagine. I've seen a little bit of footage come out of there of some of the storm surge and the water was up to roofs. It was above roofs in some cases. And uh, you kind of look on the Google Earth satellite imagery, even some of the street view. And, you know, there's not a huge coastline. Um, when we look sometimes at the North Carolina Outer Banks, you know, got those big dunes in some places. And the same thing as you get down into portions of other places along the Atlantic seaboard. But where that area sits in Florida, there's really not a great dune system, right? No, not really. I'm not too familiar with it. But I mean, if we go into Google Earth here and take a, and take a better look, I mean, there's some vegetation, but it's really low-lying island. I mean, this, this island, is, it doesn't have a lot of elevation to it. And look, look on the street view map. I always see you're on there, but... Uh... Well, we'll try to pull it up during our special show at nine o'clock if we can. Uh, yeah, but, uh, this, I really want to show some images of that later. Yeah, this is Storm Track viewer. So um, again, yeah. all this area, the Big Bend, out so St. Joseph Bay, Apalachicola Airport. None of these are getting signals back for any of the uh, readings for the wind readings, and um, it's been that way for some time. So we're not getting any uh, any information from there right now. Gotcha. 
Well, today also was a day uh, where some storm chasers almost got into trouble, and we kind of want to transition from our, our from what was Michael? I keep wanting to call it Florence or Matthew because those are still trained in my head. Uh, but I want to transition a little bit from Michael, and then we'll come back to it in a little bit uh, with some special coverage that probably will be going on here for a while as the system approaches North Carolina and South Carolina tonight and transition into more kind of a, a storm chase thought process and then a transition into ChaserCon, which is going to be coming up here in Richmond in just a little bit. So Chris uh, White. I want to bring you in here because you've chased storms. You kind of know what goes through a chaser's mind as, as a system approaches. Speak for a moment just on f what, you know, Michael was as it approached. What would have gone through your mind if you ever thought about going down and chasing a hurricane? Uh, and then some of the, the images you've seen from chasers today. Well, I should qualify this by saying that uh, I don't chase hurricanes for a lot of reasons, uh, mainly because of some of the problems that the, some of the chasers have run into today. But just in, in general, when I chase severe storms, it's the, the principle is the same as you not only need to have a route in, you need to have a route out. You need an egress, emergency egress uh, places to go. Sometimes and you have widespread destruction like we're seeing come out of uh, the Panama City area and places like that. Uh, the, uh, the only way to go is to into a sturdy building, a concrete building like a, a garage or some, a sturdy uh, hotel or a condo. So you know, the uh, evacuation might be vertical in that case. But uh, that, that's one of the things that's always on my mind is, yeah, I can get in there, but can I get out? And, you know, here in uh, Virginia, we obviously experience our fair share of hurricanes where you are located in the western part of the state. Uh, we've seen some impacts even as recently as uh, just a couple of months ago. And, and even with Florence, we saw some heavy rainfall. Talk about uh, storm chasing in Virginia, and then we'll transition over to an event you guys are having here in just a little bit in the state of Virginia. Sure. Uh, actually, this time of year is uh, can be very busy in, when these tropical remnants come through Virginia. Uh, I can uh, go back to Florence, and uh, I, I'll toss it over to, to Andrew here to talk about Florence a little bit. But uh, I chose not to go out for that because where I live, between me and where the convective storms were going up on the outer bands, the, uh, there were flood warnings out on all the back roads between me and the storms. So I would have had to, to drive through flooded roads to get to them and then drive through flooded roads to get back home. So I chose not to, but as it turned out, uh, that turned out to be a uh, pretty much a mini tornado outbreak for the Richmond area, which is where Andrew Smith chases. Yeah, that was a, you know, a day that I, I, I should have expected better, you know, knowing that those portion, those sides of the hurricanes can produce tornadoes. I, you know, I wasn't quite expecting the little mini outbreak that occurred and not only that it occurred, but that it just kept training over the exact same areas in, in Metro Richmond. You know, when, you know, from my experience, storm chasing out West, you like having those tornadoes in rural areas. And then when you start dealing with them in urban areas around here, it becomes a I mean, it's already difficult enough to chase around here as it is with your trees and your road networks. And then you throw it in an urban area on the cusp of rush hour, it starts, you know, getting a lot more difficult. And then you throw in the fact that you're watching your own home on radar constantly go underneath velocity couplets. And it becomes a little distracting uh, eventually that you're worried about, you know, your house, your family at home. And, you know, it's hard to concentrate it so well on the actual storm chase itself. So as, as chasers, what are some of the things that you guys have to weigh as, you know, kind of the pluses and minuses when deciding whether you're going to go out and take a, a risk? Uh, I know you take the most calculated risk you can, but 
you know, I, I would assume going out and chasing storms involves a little bit of a risk compared to sitting at your home and, you know, probably the storm avoiding your house, except with the exception maybe being those storms there uh, with Florence. Mm. You know, for me, uh, it's kind of a, you, the way you got to chase around here sometimes is you got to know where your site, where you can see good enough. Um, you got so many trees, you got to find the vistas where you know you're going to be able to see stuff and even just see storms developing, you know, earlier in the day to try to figure out where you need to go and just see if there's any development. So for me, especially in the metro area of Richmond, it is just knowing where the good sites are. So if you do have a storm, even if it's not exactly right on top of you, if you can see it five, six, seven miles away, you can at least provide video footage, you know, for myself providing it for the local uh, CBS station here in Richmond, you know, so they can just have, you know, that ground confirmation that, you know, they're looking for, the weather service is looking for to, you know, given the lack of sight, you know, being able to see the storms around here, they really need that ground confirmation a lot of times that you can so easily get in the Great Plains, but it's a lot harder to get around here. And seeing it is a huge struggle. Chris, I'll bring you in in just one second to talk about, you know, kind of chasing out in the trees, but but talk about uh, for a moment, uh, Andrew, just the struggles of also finding roads, especially in our areas and finding routes. It's not as easy as it is on the plains of just, you know, trying to take those nice square roads here in Virginia. We don't have that luxury. Yeah, exactly. It's nice when you have a road every mile, north, south, east, west, they can get you where you want to go. You know, here you go on a road that thinks you think is going to take you parallel to the storm for a while. And next thing you know, it's made a 90 degree turn and you're going right into the bear's cage. So you've got to really have your head on a swivel and you've got to. And Or, you know, ha having some kind of atlas or a map, just something that can keep you abreast of where you can get your turns and, you know, how to stay in front of the storm, how to stay away from the storm and, you know, how you can get out at, at a moment's notice in case the storm gets on top of you. So it, it's just having that good grasp on the road network around here and where the windy roads are going to take you. And Chris, uh, in the western part of the state, certainly our roads get a little more windy too because we throw some mountains in the mix once you get past Charlottesville there and get into Blue Ridge and, and towards Roanoke. Talk about uh, the different challenges the topography poses across Virginia. Sure. Uh, a lot of my chasing is done east of the Blue Ridge uh, for a couple of reasons, one of which is uh, the, the sight lines are better out there and chasing, starting a chase on the west side of the Blue Ridge, there are not that many roads that cross the mountains. So to keep up with the storm or get out of the way of the storm, you don't have that many options. But I do have a couple of spots here in the Roanoke Valley and, and in a couple of areas close to the mountains where I can actually go and, and get a vista and watch what goes on. But east of the mountains, uh, th there are still the, the uh, rolling hills of the Piedmont that you have to pay attention to. And, and I think you alluded to it, Ricky, the, the roads are, are windy here compared to out west. And so the, the trick is, is to find uh, the road that will keep up with the storm and the vistas that would allow you to open, you know, have an open vantage point. You know, it's forever, you know, you're looking at the storm and you find a vista and it's looking at, you know, 180 degrees in the wrong direction. So you kind of build a mental map, a little bit of, of where to go, Look for things like uh, cl uh, cleared fields, farm agricultural areas are, are, are very nice. And you kind of build a mental map of those. And a lot of my chase area here, I chase for the local CBS station in Roanoke. And their coverage area of, for instance, uh, uh, webcams where they can actually see storms is very sparse in some of the, the uh, rural areas. So that's where I provide some eyes on the ground for them. 
All right. So now that we've kind of got a little bit of a baseline of how storm chasing seems to work across Virginia. Let's transition from that into uh, what you guys are doing in Richmond here in just a little bit for folks uh, that aren't, you know, kind of maybe in tune or haven't heard what's going on. Talk about how this is a first exciting event for the uh, chasers across the Mid-Atlantic. Sure. Well, um, there has been for years, and I think it's on the order of 15 to 16 years, I've lost track exactly, there's been a national chaser convention that's usually held in the middle of the country, uh, typically Denver or maybe Oklahoma City, and that's usually held on a weekend in the February time frame. It, it's always been interesting to me, but I've never been able to pull the trigger on to get out there, either time or money or, or, or both or the, the weather conditions. So last summer, summer of 2017, I was actually uh, occasionally meeting for a cup of coffee afterwards with some local chasers here in the Roanoke area. We were just talking about chasing and swapping lives, kind of like fishermen swap lives. And they were talking about mentioning people that they knew that were chasers and spotters that I had no idea. So I started realizing, hmm, maybe there are more people out there in this part of the country interested in, in chasing and, and spotting storms. So... I actually took it upon myself to go out to a regional chaser convention in Indiana last year. The, the Indiana Chaser Con happens every November. So I went out there and I warned the, the people that put it on that I was going to come out and ask 100 questions, and I did. And they were gracious enough to answer me about how to get started, what they did, where, you know, how they got speakers. And I came back and, and assembled a team here in Virginia. Andrew's one of them uh, there in Richmond. Uh, my son, Nathan, who's actually the guy that got me into chasing years ago uh, when he went to o OU, uh, University of Oklahoma, as, as a meteorology major. And then Bill Hark, who's very widely known in, he's a, he's a uh, doctor in the Richmond area, but he's very widely known in the chase community out west on the plains. He knows all the big name storm chasers. So we put this idea together, uh, found a venue, which is uh, the Science Museum of Virginia in Richmond and started assembling speakers and it just kind of came together so give me the uh the lowdown on the dates and stuff like that what do people need to do if they want to attend sure the date is october 27th it's a saturday and it'll be uh, i think we have doors opening at 8 30 it'll run basically 8 30 to 5 they're at the science museum of virginia in richmond um registration is online right now uh you can go to uh mid-atlantic chaser con dot com if that that one string and register online we're not accepting walk-ups the day of that that was just a piece of logistics that we didn't want to have to deal with and we needed a basically a head count for the science museum to know exactly what to set up for so uh those those tickets are still available there's they're still out there 25 dollars each uh and that helps you know of course defray the cost of, of having the speakers in and, and having the venue but the uh the uh uh day of the event we will have a number of speakers and i can run through the list here in a little bit but we also have uh the advantage of having a couple of sponsors uh and as a result of that we have two storm chase vehicles that will be parked literally right outside the front door of the science museum uh, one is the uh the cbs uh, station that andrew uh, chases for has their own chase vehicle now with with the setup that'll be outside and one of our sponsors, uh, it's a company called Storm Cruiser, located out of the Hampton Roads area. Uh, they'll have their vehicle there as well. So we'll have some static displays and, and people talk about those along with our speakers. We've had the uh, the Storm Cruiser at um, the 
Weatherfest event in Charlotte for it. And it's a pretty cool vehicle uh, they managed to put together there. So go check that out if you're in the area. Right. And and I should mention, I mean, they'll give you all the lowdown when you come look at it. But this this past year, they actually had it stretched. It's actually got added another row of seats. So it's a little bit longer now. And they're actually looking to, uh, to take people out chasing, you know, on, on chase tours out west. Very cool. So, Andrew, uh, having an event like this in, in Richmond right in your backyard has to be exciting. What are, Pick uh, like one or two things that you're most excited for. Well, I think one of the neat things is going to be our keynote speaker, uh, Zach Daniel. He's the chief meteorologist for CBS6 here in Richmond, the station that I chase for. Uh, not just saying that because he's my boss there. But, um, you know, he comes from a background of severe weather. He kind of got cut his teeth on out in the plains, uh, uh, working in Oklahoma for a number of years. And so he's kind of the whole reason that I do what I do now, you know, chasing for Channel 6. He's got that, you know, severe weather itch and not many of the other stations in town do that. So just hearing his perspective on things as a as a TV meteorologist, having, you know, worked in the Great Plains for a number of years, working here in Virginia now, what are the differences in how you approach your your weather coverage, you know, to people who are used to severe weather versus here where people aren't as used to it. And so uh, I'm, I'm just really excited to hear his insight. And then um, an old friend of mine, Catherine Prosiv, she'll be presenting as well. She is now a producer for uh, NBC, uh, the I think the Today Show's weather coverage uh, with Al Roker. So being able to catch up with her and just kind of see her insight is, you know, she grew up with a passion of weather and she's really followed it her, her whole life and now into her career of formerly working at the Weather Channel, which is pretty much every young kid who's ever liked the weather's dream. And then to you know, actually follow that and, um, you know, do what she wanted to do. So I'm, I'll be excited to hear her spiel as well. That's awesome. And Chris, I know you've worked with Catherine before, and it sounds like you guys have a lot of local people kind of that many in the Mid-Atlantic may know or may follow on social media that are going to be presenting or, or will be there. So it sounds like a really cool event. Sure. Yeah, we wanted to ha have a flavor. In fact, when we first started talking about this, we debated on whether just calling it the Virginia Chaser Con. We said, well, that's not really broad enough because there's enough other people out there. Turns out now we have uh, registrants from, I think it's seven different states uh, coming. But the speakers we've assembled, we do Zach uh, Daniel courses from there in Richmond. We also have a uh, following him will be a National Weather Service meteorologist from the Wakefield office. Uh, they'll be talking. Uh, Mike Montefusco is coming up from, from from there, and then our 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 big name speaker, if you want to call him that, in the morning is Dave Hoadley. And for those folks that don't know who Dave Hoadley is, he is literally the father of American storm chasers. Uh, he's been chasing storms for over sixty years, and I, I could probably just sit and listen to him talk about stories for you know for for hours and at a time, but. Uh, we have given him a limited time, so so we'll have to you know keep him in in shape. Uh, and then we have, of course, uh, Andrew mentioned Catherine. Catherine will give uh, the presentation after lunch, and then we have a, a a trio of speakers from the Capital Weather Gang. Those that know that group up at the Washington Post. It's uh, started. It's the group that uh, Jason Salmonow put together. Uh, it's associated with the Post, and they're fairly widely known in the Mid Atlantic region, and, and they also do some national coverage. But we have three different speakers from them coming to give presentations on chasing and, and storms in the in the especially in the DC area, and then it wraps up with Brent Watts, who's the chief meteorologist here at the station I chase for. We'll be talking about severe weather coverage in the mountains, and oh yeah, by the way, we do have severe weather in the mountains. 
<laughs> which we do although my area perhaps we don't get them as much as you guys do uh east of seems like with county and east always is the uh the lucky zone there or the unlucky zone depending on how you view storms uh, across the region well right. sounds like a let's go ahead chris sorry no that's fine <clears throat> Sounds like a really cool event that's going to be uh, hopefully something that, that carries over for a few more years. Uh, are you guys already planning for next year's event or will it be another event or what, what's kind of the, the game line and timeline there? Well, that's that's interesting because uh, the answer is yes and no. First, the first uh, answer is, you know, we need to survive this one and see how well we do. You know, I've, I've told the guys that, uh, our planning group that my main objective is to not lose money on this. Uh, but if it, if it comes off successful and we've so far, we've had a fair amount of interest. Uh, I have already been thinking about speakers for next year. I've actually contacted a few that I know one that we wanted to have this year couldn't make it because he was going to be literally out of the country. Uh, I've also touched base with a couple others that, you know, that just to feel out their interest. So I think we can, you can use this to, to leverage and to gain some momentum for next year. One question I didn't ask, I, I have not seen the agenda yet, although now you got me really intrigued and I need to go check it out. I wish I was off that weekend and go, could go, um, but are you guys doing like any uh, kind of, a lot of times NWA will look back at previous big weather events across Virginia. Is that something that's being talked about at all or, or any talks about that or a lot of just reminiscing among chasers uh, at the bar that night? Well, uh, one of the, uh, like, for instance, the National Weather Service uh, meteorologist, Mike Montefusco, he will be talking about some of the prior events. And uh, I did sneak a look at his presentation when it came in, and he will be talking about the September 17th tornadoes from Florence from this year. So he'll be giving that a mention. And I know Zach Daniel is also going to be talking about some of the prior events there in the Richmond area. Um, uh, so we'll have a mixture of, of, you know, talking about chasing and having, and we actually, I should mention too, right after lunch, we'll have a panel discussion uh, that uh, Andrew, it'd be Andrew and Bill Hark, and I'll be kind of like a moderator talking about, you know, how do you, how do you forecast for, for storm chasing in Virginia or in this, this part of the country? It may be a little different than the folks are used to out West. Hey, hey Chris, if I'm not mistaken, um, for those who may need to acquire credits, they can get credits for coming to your event. Is that, isn't that correct? This is true. Um, I had con I was prompted to, and I went ahead and contacted uh, somebody at the National Weather Association, NWA, and they, we are on their list for uh, approval for folks who have the NWA seal, the broadcast seal, to, to gain a continuing education credit for attending this. Is there anything people need to do, like if they're, you know, coming and want to get those credits? Uh, is it just thing to turn the registration? Uh, I think what the I think it's up to the individual. I believe when they come and, and attend, then they just have to let the their NWA con point of contact know that. Okay, awesome. Well, uh, Andrew or, or Chris, anything else that we didn't talk about that you guys think is important for people if they want to come out or you want to mention? Uh, the floor is yours here for the moment. Well, I'll, I'll say a couple words and then throw it over to Andrew. Um, one of the things that we are doing is we're opening up a storm photograph contest. So for people who are registered, that's the key, they gotta be registered, but that wanna send in like their favorite storm photo that they've taken, uh, we will have a judging, we, we already have a process in place, and we'll have a prize for uh, for the, the winner and maybe a second place prize, well, it depends, depends on how things go. And we also have just recently learned that we'll have some door prizes to give away too. Uh, some of those will be some books, reference materials, uh, 
those of you that are familiar with Tim Vasquez and his organization, we, you know, they've helped us out. And so we'll have some of those things to do. Yeah, I just, you know, want to encourage anybody, everybody listening, you know, if you have the same passion of severe weather and chasing that, you know, some of us do, you know, definitely, you know, consider coming up, come, come making a trip to Richmond if you're not from around here. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a great chance to interact with other storm chasers from the region and, and you know, local media, you know, local meteorologists and, and weather, uh, National Weather Service meteorologists. So it's a good chance to get your face in front of these folks, you know, so if you ever are out in the field on your own trying to verify warnings or things like that, you know, you know, having FaceTime with these individuals will sometimes help them, you know, believe some of the reports from the field or not, because I, I know sometimes weather service offices struggle with you know, accuracy in the <clears throat> ground reporting they're they're getting from from the uh, field reports. So I, I just think it's a great chance, you know, to to interact with other folks around here. You know, you know, meet some new folks. Um, you know, just just see how many other people around here actually enjoy the same things you like doing. So I, I highly encourage everyone with that uh, severe weather, that storm chasing bone, to to come on out and and uh, have some fun for a day. Awesome, I know. Part of the best part about going to some of the NWA and AMS conferences for me is always meeting the people. A lot of times people come up like, hey, I follow you on Twitter or hey, I, I've seen your post on Facebook. And it's nice to put a face uh, to a social media name for once. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. That, that was one of the original thoughts that I had in terms of the, the reason for doing this is to build that community. You know, first of all, identify who is interested, who those people are, and then get them face to face. And as Andrew said, you build that trust so that uh, when a National Weather Service or, or, a, or a broadcast meteorologist hears a report from person X that they've met, it, it's believed and then the, that information, that warning can get maybe maybe a little bit more quickly out to the public. Gotcha. All righty. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, for joining us tonight. Get, let's let people know uh, where they can follow you on social media and give the uh, Chaser Con a plug once again for the website. Great, Andrew. Okay, you can uh, reach me on Twitter. I'm uh, a Smith RVA WX, and that's pretty much my my main one source of social media. Uh, I've been I'm still an old school Facebook guy, so I haven't really gotten into some of the other forms yet. But I'm I'm slowly migrating to Twitter, so that's where you can find me. And uh, my Twitter handle is uh, Chris V V A W X Victor Alpha Whiskey X Ray, and. Uh, the information on the ChaserCon, as I said, I mentioned the, the website is midatlanticchasercon.com. There's also a Facebook page uh, called Midatlantic ChaserCon, uh, and, and there, there's other ways of finding it as well. So you know, if, if, any, if anything else, just you know, touch base with me or Andrew on Twitter, and if you need any information, we can steer you to it. Gotcha. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for uh, joining us tonight. We're Hoping you guys have a great first event. We'll be excited to hear about it afterwards and excited to hear about uh, next year's event as well if uh, this one's successful and everyone shows up and uh, has a lot of fun. So, all right. So here's the deal for our uh, coverage tonight here with the Carolina Weather Group. We're going to take a brief little break and then we're going to be back with some special coverage on Hurricane Michael. We're going to sum up what happened earlier today, show you some amazing pictures and video from what happened along the Florida coastline. Some of these pictures I still can't believe and some of the uh, wording that chasers are still using that area, I cannot believe. So uh, join us in just a little bit and with for our special Michael coverage. For now, we'll sign off for this edition, the October 10th edition of the Carolina Weather Group. <laughs>